Hey guys, before we get stuck into today's episode, I want to thank the sponsor of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, and that is Unify Health Supplements. Unify have the most premium, high-quality, science-backed products on the market in Australia today, and you guys can use the code TFLP to save 10% off your next order at unifyactive.com. Unify has a range of products, including whey protein isolate, plant-based protein, a pre-workout, creatine monohydrate, and their best-selling product, the Hydration Formula. So again, use that code TFLP to save 10% at unifyactive.com. Hi guys, my name is Phuc Nguyen. I'm a trainer and co-owner of Unity Health Performance. Um, I'm here to talk all things about my upbringing um, and my profession, and we are on the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Hey, what are you? <laughs> Fook, welcome to the show, my brother. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, man. It's a pleasure to connect. We've obviously been kind of going back and forth a little bit online for a while. and Yeah. I'm super keen to hear about your story and um, by the sounds of it, the audience is going to get a lot of value out of it as well. And yeah. so I was chatting with Kane before you hit record and before you got in today and how we wanted to structure it. And I think what I'd like to hear about first is what your life looks like at the moment yeah. in terms of what you're currently doing, um, as you mentioned in the intro about the gym and, and your profession at the moment and I guess where you're at mentally and everything at the moment as well. And I mean, kind of go backwards and, and start from the start after that. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. So literally co-own um, UniHub Performance. It's a strength conditioning gym, CrossFit gym as well. Uh, so my day-to-day could be waking up early, um, doing class sessions to doing admin roles to mm-hmm. doing um, one-on-one personal training as well. Um, and then I'm just a guy that just needs to fill in spots here and there as well for the team. So if anything, they, if they need anything throughout their day-to-day, um, it could be going to get toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll go be that guy and get the toilet paper. Could be cleaning the gym. Could be anything. Um, I'm just there just to make sure everything runs smoothly um, and make sure everyone's having a good time, everyone's safe. Fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, how long have you been in the fitness industry for personally outside of just going Um, in the gym? I'll say over 10 years now, probably going to my 11th year. Yeah. Fantastic. And were you like heavily invested in terms of your passion with the fitness side of things before that or like what was the catalyst for you getting into the fitness industry as a professional? Always active um, and goes into obviously, you know, my high school life was I knew I wasn't going to go into um, university. There was no way. I was that that one Asian guy that was, man, math is not my thing. Math's so, not your thing? Nah, wow. not at all. I'm horrible, <laughs> man. I still count my fingers. That's how bad it is. Like you see me coaching class, I'll be like, one, two, three, four, <laughs> shit. <laughs> what am I up to? Um, so I knew – at a young age, I wasn't going to go to university and then being in, you know, in a Vietnamese background, in a culture, being Asians and, you know, your parents are very old school and they, want, they go, mm-hmm. you know, you go to high school, you go to university and then you get a career. And then, man, from a young age, I knew that I had to be different. I had to create my own path and then I realised most successful people create their own path. Mm. And I'm like, man, I can be that guy. So from a, yeah, so from a young age, I knew that was, I knew I had, I had to step out of that. Um, went to factory work straight away during year 12 exams. And then I was like thinking, watching old people work. And I'm like thinking, I can't, I can't be like this. I can't, this is not how I end my, in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I look back to, I love playing sports. I love being active. I love being outdoor. 
I want to help people, mm-hmm. but I'm not smart enough to be a doctor or a lawyer or any means that needs, needs me to go to university. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, PT has to be it. I yeah. get to be active. I get to play sports. I get to feel good training and I get to help people change their lives. Yeah, man, that's what got me into the industry. That's awesome, man. Man, this is a conversation that I have with with personal trainers a lot lately in particular is around the fact that I think sometimes trainers lose sight of like what you just said, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, it's good you get to create your own hours and, you know, it's, you know, depending on your your level of skill as a trainer, it can be good pay and yeah. and it's extremely hard work. But in the end of the day, it's like such an important, we play a massive part in some people's lives. Yeah. You know, we, we can have such a massive impact on the quality of people's lives, not only their physical health, but their mental health as well. And for myself anyway, I just find so much enjoyment in terms of being able to share the lessons and the experience that, that I've gained and just showing them like how it changed my life yeah. and going, you know, hopefully this is going to change yours as well. And it's yeah. such a rewarding job. And I think sometimes particularly when things get busy and you get caught up in all the, the general stresses of life, you kind of lose sight of, that that aspect of the job yeah um, so that's awesome to hear that that was the catalyst for you getting into it i'm keen to take it all the way back man and and just hear yeah. about your upbringing and yeah and how your journey started because i know it's a an inspiring one yeah um so yeah man feel free to to start us right from the start yeah man so obviously we touched base a little bit about you know my high school life growing up mm. um so i'm one out of nine boys Mum and dad came by boat with three of my older brothers. Um, so, you know, the first refugees by boat, which is in our generation. I'm 29 now, turning 30. Mm-hmm. Like, there is none. We'll be thinking about, like, my great-grandparents who came by boat, not mm. my actual parents. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, them coming over was really rough. They don't know English. They don't know the basic life, you know, lifestyle of Australians as well. Mm-hmm. So, making their way through, you know, living Australia, coming, by, by, coming through by boat. Do you mind me asking what yep. was the reason for coming over here in the first place? I think they knew just a better life. Yeah. You know, there was, this was talking about years and years ago, so after the war and everything mm-hmm. like that, so quality of life, it, it was a risk. You know, yeah, it was a sure. gamble and a risk because obviously I didn't think that pirates was such a thing. Yeah. Like growing pirates up. pirates of the Caribbean, that's about literally it. Literally, yeah. I was thinking, I'm like, you've got to be <laughs> kidding me until mum told me stories <laughs> like it's one thing to go on a boat, but then it's another thing to duck away from pirates. I'm like, what do you mean pirates? <laughs> Like, we're, like Jack Sparrow's going to come out and be like, wait, give me your gold. But it was bad. Like you hear some full-on stories where mm. like ships get taken over by pirates, people die, people get raped, and then they're gone, they're lost. Mm. You know what I mean? You're like, holy crap. So not only do you have a family of three boys, one of them was an infant, you're risking their lives and your life, yourselves to come to Australia for a better life. It's a courageous thing to do, huh? Yeah, crazy. Um. So yeah, that's the, that's the gist of their their them coming through here. Mum and dad always wanted a girl, so they kept popping up babies. <laughs> that was it. So nine nine babies later, I'm the ninth one, so the youngest one out of my brothers. Um, no girl. Then, nah, no girl. <laughs> I'm the closest they'll get. What are the odds of that, man? That's oh, man, wild. I don't know it? how. I honestly don't know how um, <laughs> to be able to have nine kids and none of them being a girl. That's. Do any of your siblings have kids? Yeah, so I, I believe I got counting 14 nieces and nephews at the moment, maybe 15. So there is a girl, so there's, there's, there's been a now. girl. Yeah, We're great. overpowered. Yeah, there's <laughs> heaps, there's heaps. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like my upbringing there. So obviously then coming through, not really knowing English, um, not really coming with any money as well. So mm. we didn't have any money. So growing up, we grew up in Broadmeadows. Well, when I was growing up, I remember yep. growing up in Broadmeadows. 
Um, and you, you look at photos and you're like, man, my brothers are wearing hand-me-downs and hand-me-downs. And then my brother just older than me, he's three years older than me, and I'm wearing his hand-me-downs. Mm-hmm. But then he was wearing my older, older brother's <laughs> yeah. hand-me-downs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so then like you used to go to school and then I used to talk to my friends and be like, hey, man, well, what you doing on a weekend? And they'll be like, man, mum took me out, went shopping and they bought me this and bought me that. And mm. I'll be like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's not kind of what I had. You know what yeah. I mean? My thing was like going outside, playing with the neighbours, but then you grow up in middle high school, middle school, neighbours aren't that good people too. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so that was kind of my childhood growing up. Mm. Um yeah, just babbling on about that. Can talk about that for ages. Um, but then, yeah, going into obviously primary school, going to high school, um, I dealt with a lot of, you know, it's partly why I got into the industry, industry as well, was a lot of uh, body shame as well. Okay. Like I grew up thinking, man, like I'm so, I felt like I was overweight, but I never really once was. I just had, you know, ch- I'm just a chubby kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but then that led through to, I played sports still, but then went to high school. I was the type of kid where I always have my blazer on, I always keep my jumper on. Teachers be like, Fuck, take your jumper off, take your blazer off. It's hot, thirty degrees. Yeah. No, nah, miss, I'm cold. Yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm I'm cold. I'm, I'm just good. lacking I'm in good. that confidence. Yeah, I never used to eat my lunch. I used to throw my lunch in the bin so then mum wouldn't see it when I got home. That was my life growing up as a as a young like in primary school, into my high school life until yeah. I started to get a little bit more confidence as well. Yeah, right. And so when you look back at that childhood, particularly early days. Yeah. How do you feel about it? I mean, obviously, it's you only know yeah. you only know what you know, right? You only yeah. know the way that you lived up. But like, and then you said before, you know, looking at comparisons to to yeah. other people's lives as well. And I think comparison is 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 such a, a shitty thing oh, to do, man. right? Obviously, but um, you know, what did you take away from that? And do you feel like that a lot of those struggles, I guess you could say, that you had, kind of allowed you to be the, the man you are today and yeah. gave you those lessons? Yeah. I, I always say to everyone when I go through like my story or when I bring up stories of my past or my childhood, I don't regret a thing. I don't I don't wish it ever changed a thing. Mm-hmm. Whatever I experienced has led me to be the person I am today. Um, whatever my family experience led to my brothers and my parents to being the strong people they are today. And then they're the ones that made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. So there's not a day that I don't go by that I'm like, man, I'm grateful for the upbringing that I had. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's a lot tougher than a lot of other people. Um, and that's why I always say like, man, you guys, are, people always tend to look at things that the wrong way or too negatively. You yes, know what I mean? So it's like, there's so much positive out there. You just have to find it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a lot of lessons learned in through anything good or bad. Um, so I look back and I think about, you know, the childhood I had, the childhood I had, I'm like, man, I would not change a thing because at a young age, I knew in high school, middle high school, I'm like, I'm not going to go to university. I can create my own path. Mm. What high schooler would know that now? Yeah, exactly right, man. Yeah. And I think it all comes with perspectives too, yeah. As you said before, I find that a lot of the reason why people are in such a negative headspace all the time or continue to attract these these negative outcomes in their life is because that's exactly what their focus is on. Yeah. And as you said, it's like not showing any gratitude for what they have. It's always it's always the thought process around what don't I have mm. or, or what am I missing instead of the awareness around look how good my life is or yeah. look at all of these things that I just take for granted every day and yeah. such a, a small shift in that perspective can drastically change yeah. what your life looks like. Yeah. But I'm curious to, to know like – are you able to tell me a little bit about your parents and, yeah. and what, what they were like? Yeah, in terms yeah. of – I mean because I think – 
you know, as you said before, it's like in high school, you knew you knew that yeah. you wanted to create your own success. And yeah. I'm wondering whether or not that was a trait that you took from your parents. Um, I reckon the whole risk of them coming from Vietnam over to Australia and then do the things that I've, I grew up with my dad teaching me, um, you know, about turning like, like a, turning a paper kite out of calendar sheet, like stuff like that I remember. And I just remember like there's always the small things that you can always change to create something that you want. Um, but my parents, with the good, there's always the bad. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing about Asian culture too sometimes, which is shit, is that they have more kids or they look at having kids that be like, oh, the more kids I have, then there's a good chance one of them might make it. And then when I get sick and I'm old, they might be able to look after me. Right. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. So it's, it's so hard. Like, I don't regret or change, I don't want to change anything about my childhood life. But at the same time, there's like, there's also there's the bad too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, I, everything that I do, and the person I am today is hugely because of my brothers. Mm. Because at a young age, my parents were working so much, sewing and doing whatever they can to earn money. My brothers were my babysitters. They taught me the ins and outs of what the world was actually like. Yeah. The good and the bad. You know, mm -hmm. going in Metal Heights, they were up to no good. We all know that. That's fine though. Mm -hmm. But it, they gave me a quick insight of this is what the world is like. Yep. If you don't pull your head in, this is where you're going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. it's like, okay, I was always somewhere. I like to think I'm really brave, but at the same time, I'll get scared a lot too. So I was like, man, I'm scared of that. I don't want to be like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I need to sort out my shit now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when you made that decision, was it when you're in high school and you're like, all right, I'm not going to uni, fuck that. I'm going yeah. to create my own success. When did you voice that to your parents and what was their reaction? Because, you know, going off some of the things you've said around like, yeah. you know, they're, they're wanting you to go through the traditional path yeah, of school, yeah. university, yeah. get this job. Yeah. Um, was there pushback from them or did they kind of know that like – this is just who you are and this is what you're going to do? Yeah, I think there was a pushback from my parents a little bit. My my parents couldn't speak English, so my Vietnamese is really bad. So I got away with a lot your, of... Your Vietnamese is really yeah, bad? Yeah, <laughs> so it's like really broken. You know, if I spat Vietnamese out now, like it'll sound amazing to you, but to any other <laughs> Vietnamese person out there, it's pretty broken. Um, so they couldn't quite understand what I was going through, but then I had pushback from my brothers and from most of my brothers and from my parents. Because they either saw you go to university and have a career or you go into a trade. You know what I mean? Because okay. money is money. Like you go straight to working. Mm -hmm. And then at the time, like there's no one in my family that's ever been a trainer. Like you do the course and they say, like, this is how much money you're going to make. They say you're the dream, right? Yeah, and then me and you, we both see, we know yeah. that dream is very far-fetched if you don't have a lot of good qualities about you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So and it takes time. Like anything 100%. else. 100%. So I'm like, anything. I'm trying to sell them the dream, but I'm selling myself the dream of, I'm going to make it. Yeah. I'm going to do so well. Yeah. I'm going to really, really like kill it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but it didn't, it wasn't until probably my second or third year of being a trainer where I traveled overseas for like a month and a half, two months. Mm -hmm. Like I literally just saved up all my money from PT. I made really good money. I was hitting 40 sessions a week. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going. And then I was the youngest one in my family to buy my own tickets and fly out. And okay. then I think that's when they realized I'm like, holy crap, this guy. He's doing it. He's doing yeah. it. Like he's doing something now. Yeah. Yeah, you know I mean. So that was that was a good moment. Yeah. Where'd you go? I did all Southeast Asia. 
Nice. So I literally went to Thailand and then went to like Laos, Cambodia, learned some history, like crazy history there. Yeah. Um, from there, went along Vietnam and then went to Japan, snowboarded Japan and then went to South Korea, went to China, went back to Thailand, got tattooed and then back home. Awesome. Yeah. Did you get it all done in that one go? Nah, no, I had like a little bit of my sleeve left to do. It's a little bit of colouring. So I did that and then did my leg. Um, but then, yeah, I got more on my back and stuff like that, but that's all in Melbourne now. Mad. Yeah. What was your, when you first started as a trainer, what was the vision of like, what did success look like for you? Like what was the, I don't want to say end goal, but when you're building the business and as you said, you're getting busier and busier and you're starting to see some success and making money, what was like the success that you were going for? Was it to have your own space like you are now and to be doing what you're doing or what did it look like then? Yeah, man, it was back then I was never told or I never learned about Harry Audacious goals. So my goals was so little comparison now. So I was like, you know what? I need to be a guy that hits 40 sessions a week. Yep. And that's what I wanted mm-hmm. because every other train that was successful at Good Life, you'll be like thinking they're doing those sessions. I want to do those sessions. Mm-hmm. So my goals were literally very minor. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I got based off your surroundings and your environment, right? And and the conditioning that you were surrounded dude, by. So me and my best mate, we always say one of our things that we talk about is you are the average of the people you hang around with. 100%, yeah. So it's like when you hang around with those kind of people, mm. there is nothing left to kind of reach beyond. And the reason why I love one-on-one PT as well, like back then as well, is that I love learning off older generations. Yeah. They've got a lifetime of knowledge that I have not tapped into, mm-hmm. a lifelong of mistakes that I can learn from. Yeah. So like my good friends now, I mean, almost 10 years, if not just a bit under 10 years older than me. Yep. Because I can hold conversations with them. Mm-hmm. You know, the things they talk about is what I genuinely like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not thinking about going out every weekend or doing this or doing that. I'm thinking about how do I get better? How do I make more money getting better? And how do I help people Yeah. as well? Yeah. One of the most enjoyable parts of the job for me is exactly what you just said, right? It's like working with clientele. And I've been very fortunate that a lot of my clientele are in business or, you know, whether it's an athlete or whatever it may yeah. be, walks of life that are doing bigger and better things than what I've experienced yet. Yeah. And going off the back of, you know, what you mentioned about being the product of your environment, I'm a massive believer in the fact that if you can normalize things that are so far away from normal for you at the moment, once you can get to that point where you can you can have a conversation with the client talking about let's say something in business and huge numbers that you've never even fucking heard of before. Yeah. And it doesn't even compute. And then yeah. all of a sudden you're starting to normalize having these conversations and you make that connection in your brain of like, oh, this, I can do this as yeah. well. And as soon as you reach that moment, that's when you level up. And so really starting to understand that like, we're only limited by our ability to think. Yeah. But not just think, but to be able to actually have a genuine like belief yeah. in what you're saying and what yeah. you're thinking. And I'm, like 100%, I've said this on the show before, without a doubt, if I hadn't have been exposed to some of the people that I've been exposed to or the experiences that I've had, there's no way my life would look the same as what it does yeah. at the moment. Yep. And so again, like going back to helping people, even with the, the mindset and personal development stuff that I've started doing now, it's like trying to show that to other people. Like, mm. hang on a second. Like even if you're, you love your life at the moment and it's like you're completely content. Yeah. Almost nine times out of ten, there's always areas of your life where you're like, oh, you know, if I could, I wish this would, would be a bit better or this would mm. be a bit different, but I, I, I can't do that because of this, this and this or yeah. that's just not for me or only these type of people can do this, but it's, it's really not the truth. It's like yeah. if you can, 
you know, that the cliche saying whether or not you believe you can or you can't, either way, you're right. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy how much you can drastically change your life once you normalize yeah. things that don't seem normal for you at the moment. Yeah. And so what was next? So you got, in, got into PT, you traveled, came back. Yep. Um, how old were you when, you when you did that? I reckon I was 20. Yeah, I just turned 21 because I competed. That was the year I did my first like sports modeling show. And then after that, I was like, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Uh, how many years? I did three or four. Yeah, three or four I, years. Yeah, I did A and B. Like I did the 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 federation A and B. I did it, and then I didn't come in as where I want to be. And then it was crazy. It was such a, it was so grueling, man. I didn't know what I was kind of doing. You're doing it yourself. You think you could. You go through it, and then there's so many days where you wake up. You're like, what am I doing? Yeah. And then you get on stage. You come off, and you're like. Next year's gonna be my year. I'm gonna come in big, I'm coming better. Mm-hmm. Go through a prep and you're like, fuck. Yeah. What did you what did you take away from that though? Outside of the fact that it was grueling, like because when I look back at it, yeah. <clears throat> by the time I stopped competing, I just basically decided that, like, in my opinion, anyway, yeah, I decided that this is quite a selfish thing to do. Yeah. It's it's a, obviously a very subjective sport. Yeah. So in the end of the day, the results mean fuck all. Yeah. Obviously, you know, when you have a, a clear winner, you have a clear winner. But yeah. in terms of like a few people saying like, you look good, you look shit, yeah. you look good, you look shit. I was just like, I'm not going to put in 20 weeks of work for some random to just be like, nah, fuck yeah, like don't worry about it. But like subjective, quite uh, uh, selfish in my opinion. And then also just the the effort for the reward ended up not being worth it when I had to, when I looked at the things that were I was sacrificing, whether yeah. it be in a relationship, whether it yeah. be with business and stuff like that. And so, but at the same time, the things I took away from it was wild, like in terms of just learning a lot about myself, yeah, learning what true discipline was, yeah. um, you know, the content, the growth of the business yeah. and stuff. So what were some of the positives that you took away from competing? I reckon exact same thing. It's pretty much now in the head of what you said, right? There's a lot of bad things that come from competing, but the biggest thing is the discipline, eh? Mm. Like you say that you're going to commit to a program and to harsh dieting for 20 weeks. Yeah. And then there's so many days when you want to give up. There's so many days you're lying in bed and you're like, I do not want to do this anymore. Mm. But then you get through that day and you fight another day after mm. that. You know what I mean? So that just shows you the mindset of how far you can go yeah. beyond what you think you can go. Mm. Um, just taking it one day at a time. 100%. So... That's probably the biggest positive learning from it, um, like from competing. Mm. It's just how far you can test that mind. I think in a way it, it's kind of correlative to business as well. Yeah. In a sense. Because when you look at it and I'd, I'd come from playing like team sport and yeah. um, I don't know how much you know about my background. but Basketball. Like, yeah. Basketball, yeah. And so when I look back at all the disappointments I'd had up until that point, knowing how much hard work I'd put in, missing out on sides, sitting yeah. on the bench, not getting picked here and there. And, and in the end of the day, you're, you know, regardless of how hard you work, you're at the yeah. mercy of someone or something else, yeah. right? And so the thing I loved about it and what I find, as I said, correlates to business is that whether or not you do or don't come in better than what you look like last time or yeah. make progress or or achieve what you said you wanted to achieve comes down to you and you only. Yes. And, and you are fully responsible for that. And, and you can't blame anyone else. You can't put that responsibility on anyone but yourself. And yeah. and to me, I think I just fucking loved that. Yeah. And, and as I said, I kind of, that discipline then carries over to so much more in yeah. life than just trying to look fucking good and, yeah. and have good abs. It's like yeah, there's yeah. so many other things that it yeah. crosses over to. Yeah. And so after that, 
When, when, how long have you uh, co-owned the gym and what was that um, um, process like? So we you? opened, so the brand came together in 2020 during mm-hmm. COVID. Right? Nice. So it's literally, so I, I, well, I've been at Good Life for just almost 10 years at this time. Yep. Just under 10 years being a trainer there. And then I've met, I was a PT manager at a couple of locations. Mm-hmm. And then during COVID and then we came back and then people just start calling up. They're like, I want to quit my membership. I want to cancel. And then the consultants, what are you going to do? You can't do anything. Yeah. We've been locked up. They want to leave. You can't hold them to their contract. Yeah. Like they're gone. And yeah. that's what's happened. Then I started thinking, you know what? How many people have been wanting to leave Good Life? Because it's not some, – some locations are great, but some can do with a little bit more upkeep. Yeah. So I'm thinking how many people in this facility of like a 1,000 people be like, you know what? I've always wanted an out. Now I've got an out. Now I've got an out. And then I started thinking, what if I create a space that's brand new, mm-hmm. new equipment, start getting anyone to clean their stuff, you know, keep it nice and upkeep, keep the community base going. And then with CrossFit as well, like if you haven't been to a CrossFit gym, a lot of them are really old and dungy, mm, really sure. old equipment, no upkeep, yeah. no nothing. So I was like, what if I just make a whole new facility, keep a brand spanking mm-hmm. and then draw all these people in? If anything, if I can get my clientele and my business client, my business partner's clientele together, we break even. Yep. And that was the risk. It was like it was a risk, but it was a calculated risk. Yeah. And so that's what we did. Came the brand, put the brand together in 2020. No one wanted no 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 one wanted to hire us a space or lend us a space. So it took us to 2021 until we opened April 2021. Awesome. Open, lockdown. Oh fuck. <laughs> Literally. And so were you locked into your lease? Yeah, locked into the lease, but that was okay because we had plans. Like it was, it, that was the risk, right? Mm. So it's like you wouldn't go into open up a gym in 2020, 2021 without knowing that we might go into lockdown. Yeah, again. for sure. So the huge thing was keeping our members active and making sure that we were, we were a community. We kept up date with them, doing Zoom chats, doing Zoom workouts. Yeah, you know I mean, trying to keep everyone together when we could go for walks, all these yep. things. You know what I mean? And then we came back stronger mm. because of that. And then, yeah, we're still kicking now. What's been, what were some of the lessons that you had to, what were the lessons that you had to learn from the business side of things that you hadn't experienced before as a PT, like you know, when you started opening a facility? Like, I mean, I'm sure there was, there were certain things that you were yeah. having to learn on the fly. Um, yeah. So what were some of the main takeaways that you took from starting that out? Um, when, you're, you're in, when you're a PT and you work for yourself, you just have to worry about yourself. Um, when you open a gym and then you got staff and you got people's pays you have to they, they rely on and stuff like that, you're like, holy crap, I don't need this business to work just for me. Mm. I need this business to work for others. And then it, it goes deeper. It goes into we talk about mental health, right? How many people come to the gym for, you know, to help with their mental health? Mm-hmm. So it's like the gym industry as well, unless you've got a really good product. And it smashes and it just grows straight away. If it's not like that, it takes time. So yep. it's like you have to plan ahead. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of, you know, back in good life, people do the leads and everything for you. So, but here you yeah. do it yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to find up, find new strategies how to do it yourself. You need to educate your trainers yourself. You need to do all these things yourself. So the biggest thing was multitasking. My thing is when there's so many tabs opening up, I get anxiety and Overwhelmed. I freak out. Yeah. Then I was just like, I'm just on my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on my Do phone. Do none of it. <laughs> literally on my phone. And I'm just thinking, I need to stop. I just wasted half an hour. I've got things to do. 
I'm back on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like trying to come up with strategies to make sure I don't do that, but then trying to learn um, more about myself and what my traits are, the good and the bad, yep. to know that when I'm going through situations, I know I need to do something now because I'm going to just end up looking at my phone or doing something unproductive. Mm. So the biggest one was, yeah, just a lot of learning, like a lot of self-learning and just knowing that a lot of other people depend on you too to be on your game. So, yep. yeah. In alignment with the mental health side of things, what are some of the things that you've done for your own mental health and and that you've been able to relay on to, to clients? Is there kind of daily habits that you try and keep up with? Has there been any um, um, big kind of turning points for you that have allowed you to build on that mental resilience? I feel like there, there would be heaps. Um, my biggest thing is like I saw a psychologist for the first time last year. Yeah, nice. Nothing, nothing wrong. Like I don't have anything, like anything big issues, but the biggest thing was I, I formed two really good mates last year. And we used to have these guy chats where we was like, we go out for dinner once a month yep. and let's just have a guy chat. Yeah. We talk about all things, mental health, anything like mm-hmm. that. Be vulnerable. Yeah. And then these two guys, they both see psychs as well. And I'm just like, you know what? These guys are so freaking intelligent. And I'm like, they're emotionally intelligent. Yeah. I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. I want to understand all my emotions. I thought I had a good understanding because I want to have a good understanding so that when I meet my clients or if I meet my members, I know how to deal with them appropriately. Read their energy and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, yeah, seeing the psych last year was just a big game changer because it was so, so much more that I had to learn about myself too. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, and then that's why I try to relate to my members as well. Mm. Um, it's the lessons that I learned as well. And the same thing about what you say a lot too, where it's like the law of vibrations and frequency yeah. and stuff like that. Man, I'm that person. I did like, I don't know if you saw, so I did a story like a month ago and I was talking about like if you enter a room, how are people's reactions when yeah. you enter a room? Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing because if I if I enter a room and no one's happy or excited to see me, I'm like, man, did I do something? Yeah. Am I, yeah. Like a <laughs> am I a downer or... My sad or something mm. like that. I don't want them to know if I'm sad. If I am sad, I want to be happy all the time. Energy speaks a lot louder than words, huh? Correct. Yeah, you know I mean, and so it's like I want people to see that because there's so many people out there who be like, "My life is so crap. My I'm living a crap life. I had a crap day." But I'm just like, but if you weren't willing to accept people who were trying to cheer you up or cheer up your day, how mm. you went, how you were gonna, how you were you gonna expect to have a better day or a better life? Mm-hmm. So. The one thing that I learned from my, not one thing, but one of the main things I learned from my brothers is tough love. They gave me tough love. Honesty. You know I mean? Yeah, like brutal. Yeah. Like their, their jokes are brutal. You don't know if it's like, you don't know if to cry or laugh, yeah. but you just laugh because you don't want to cry because yeah. they just bash you for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I like, I implement tough love, but I always say I don't do it out of just being a dick, I do it because I genuinely care. If I don't give you tough love, then I don't care about you. Yeah. That's that's it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I'm giving you the things or telling you the things that you don't want to hear, it's because I genuinely care. Yeah. I want you to be the best person you can be. Yeah. And for you to be the best person, I can't be here telling you all the good things, mm-hmm. that everything is rainbows, sunshine. Man, no one's perfect. Yeah, exactly. But it's up to me and it's up to you. And then I expect the same thing from yourself to tell me when I'm being shit. Mm-hmm. Because how am I going to be better? Mm. Yeah, you know I mean, You're so, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. You need that tough love. You need the honesty. The um, how could you? The accountability, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's exactly right. So if you're going to expect that from me, then then I need to be able to, yeah. to give that same thing back to you. Outside of your brothers, has there been any anyone that you've kind of used or um, had as a mentor or, or taken a lot of lessons from that you kind of go to for guidance or have um, over the years? Yeah, honestly, probably my best mate, Reese. Um, what's up, Reese? <laughs> so um, Reese was a trainer that I met when I first started at Good Life. Mm-hmm. And then we actually met each other and we actually hated each other. Did you? First go. He was the type of guy that would walk around on his toes, um, looked real confident. He was being a trainer for years and stuff like that. And he got me, shy little guy, first time in the industry, yeah. you know. And then I was like trying to fake being positive to try and be positive. Mm-hmm. And then everyone really liked that I was positive, but I was shitting bricks every day. <laughs> um, but we then we realized that he grew up in Chicana, which was just the neighborhood after Broad Meadows, Meadow Heights, where I grew up. And then we got to talking and we're like, you know what? We kind of had the same upbringing. A lot of similarities. Yeah, his was really bad. I kind of came out of mine pretty like pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, where Reese had a really down, like really bad upbringing. You know what I mean? Um, but the one thing that I learned from him was the honesty. Yeah. Like he gave it to me no matter what. Good or bad, he gave it to me, mm-hmm. um, which I respected because what other friend would do that? He did it out of love and I knew that. He wasn't mm-hmm. trying to bring me down, he just mm-hmm. wanted me to be better. Mm-hmm. And then he wanted me to be better so then I can help him be better. Yeah, you know I mean? So growing up with me and him being at 2021, 20, we were just bouncing off each other. He would do a course, fuck, come do this course with me. You know, it's going to help our clientele, it's going to help our nutrition. Sweet, let's do it. Did this, you know did another course or we'll go out together, we'll learn more, we'll listen to this podcast, we'll try this food. Like we just done everything together, we test each other for it, we kept each other accountable. Nice. I own this gym now, the gym that I have now, Reese was the first one to own a gym. Yeah, I mean, his gym's in Richmond. Yeah, okay. So it's like he was the first one to pave the way to do it. Yeah. And then he showed me, he's like, hey man, if Reese can do it, a guy from Jakarta. Yeah. I, I was with him growing up, then I can do this. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's the big thing as well. It's like so many people look at you know, each other's lives or compare to other people's lives, but I can't have that. Like mm. that's too far-fetched. I'm like, you know what? If you actually knew the work behind it, yeah, you actually can have the life that you really want to have. Mm-hmm. You just need to put the work to it. You just need to grind it out and just, you know, do all the things that you don't want to do to get it. Yeah, exactly right. What is it? I think uh, – I can't remember who said it. Maybe Chris Williams – I don't know. The maybe it wasn't Chris Williams actually, but it was like um, the results that you're not getting or the results that you want are in the work that you're not doing. Yeah. Right. And and off the back of what you said, in terms of looking at someone else and seeing, all right, I, I can do that as well. Yeah. I think within the fitness industry in particular, but you see this a lot in any industry, right? Yeah. When you see someone else in that same industry doing better than you yeah. or doing things that you haven't done yet. I think the biggest thing that needs to change in the industry is like instead of resentment and bringing them down or like just ignoring it completely and yeah. not supporting or thinking that like they had it easy or they can do this because of that. It's like, man, I'm looking at this and going like, fuck, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And it's like I, I go out of my way to reach out to people yeah. like that and be like congratulate them and, and you know, feed off their energy. And because and I always think as well, I'm like, well, how would I want people to respond if if I saw yeah. success? If I did something that was that was uh, something like that, a massive yeah. achievement, would I want people to just 
ghost me and ignore me and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and talk shit or what I want them to be happy yeah. for me as well. Yeah. And so being able to feed off someone like that and, and have that mentality as yeah. well takes you such a long way. Understood. I think the one thing as well, like you said, when it happens a lot is people don't want to share their success with others, which then becomes toxic because you're all about yourself and then you want to share your wins and everything to yourself in terms of just say if it was money, right? Mm -hmm. And then like you see that with PTs, like, man, some guy's doing really good with sessions, but he wants to hog all the sessions. But it's like, dude, if you pave the way and you help others get there, yeah. think well, about the bigger picture. We're all in together. Yeah. yeah. He makes money, you make money. But then the bigger picture is you just helped 40 people this week and he's just helped 40 people this week. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to go further along and help more people and then more people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's such a bigger picture out there. Yeah, you know I mean, so it's always um, like, yeah, people just need to kind of wake up and be like, you know, stop trying to hog everything. Life <laughs> is just not about you either. Like, yeah. pay the way, help others out, and then you'll get that tenfold back. Yeah, the energy you give out is is it's a mirror, right? Literally, it's like if I'm continuing to put 100%. this energy out or putting putting these actions yeah. out, then that's the mirror. That's the yeah. experience that I'm going to get yeah. is a mirror. And that's what that. they say as well in PT. Like when I was PT managing, and people were like, "Oh, Fooks, how do you get clients that are so similar to you?" Did they see my energy? They see how I am on the floor. You attract who you are. Yeah. If you're someone that's shy and quiet or depressed, you're going to attract those same people. Mm -hmm. But if you want to step out of that, then you need to step into the person that you want to be. Yeah. Then you start attracting them. It's crazy. But if I look back at, and if you look back at your clientele, like you see similarities of your qualities of who you are as a person in your clientele. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, you see arrogant trainer with with arrogant people. You see <laughs> kind trainers with freaking the beautiful people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's crazy. What uh, I'm interested to to get you a little bit little bit vulnerable for a second. Yeah. What's the hardest thing you've ever had to go through? Yeah. Doesn't have to just be with business. Yep. And what was what was something that you took away from that experience that's allowed you to now deal with other uh, hard times or adversity um, in a much more <sighs> efficient way? Yeah. Good question. Um, my dad passed away last year. Sorry to hear. Yeah. Okay. It happens. You know. And that was probably the hardest thing to date that I had to go through. I didn't think I had to go through it so soon, especially me, I got married last year. Congratulations. So literally like when we got engaged um, and then we we're organizing the wedding and I talked to dad, like planning it, I'm like, and then he got diagnosed with cancer and then you're like, you know what, like you're gonna make it. Doctor said, you got years to live, man. You just need to be healthier. Mm -hmm. You just need to take, bring your steps, stop smoking, do all these things, like you'll be fine. But then he didn't do those things either. You know what I mean? So then he was meant to have a longer life, but he didn't get that longer life because he didn't put the work to have the longer life. Mm. And then next you know, boom, he's gone. And then I'm now getting married without my dad there. So that was like a big thing. So that's what I kept thinking of when he passed away. I was like, man, I'm about to get married. And my dad's not going to be there when he's meant to be there. Um... Yeah, that was the hardest thing. But the one thing that pulled me through that was honestly my wife now. Um, it's crazy. Like you go through relationships, not through relationships, you know, self. Like you can be with someone for such a long time and then there's, a, there's things that happen in life 
that transforms your relationship to a new level. Yeah. Like you think that your relationship is at the pinnacle here and then something like this happens and then you're like, holy crap, we can go a yeah. level higher. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, we took away. Like for so long, I've always trying to be the protective one of uh, in my relationship. You know, I always thought like I'll be the one to look after her. I'll mm-hmm. be the one to take care of her. I'm going to be the man of the house. And then when this happened, I couldn't be that person. And then my wife and she, I heard her say it for the first time, was like, it was nice to see you be vulnerable and for me to step up, to be the person and to show you that I can be that person that you are to me every single day. And I'm just like. That's amazing, man. I was like, that's deep. Yeah. I was like, man, that's spot on, like spot on. And then it goes into like, how often are guys aren't talking about their feelings or showing vulnerability? They keep it to themselves. And then the one thing I learned too is guys are very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like we're very quick to jump the trigger, right? So when it comes to like suicides and stuff like that, for men, it's like, I'm going to go, I'm gone. But for females, like they'll talk themselves out of it. But for guys, we don't do that. They're like, literally, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to go. I want to buy that pair of shoes. I'm going to go buy that pair of shoes. Yep. You know yeah. Yeah. I mean? So, like, you know, you asked me the question the other day, like, what am I passionate talking about? I'm passionate talking about, like, mental health and mindset and that every tough day or tough situation you can go through, get you go through, you can get through that one day at a time, one step at a time. But a big thing as well, like, lean on the people who want to be there for you. They want to be there. They want to help you. Yep. Allow them to help you. Like take that in. Mm. Don't be that person that just keeps blocking them away yep. because then you'll be on your own. Because one thing about me too, I give myself to everyone. Like if you needed me something for any reason, I'll be there 110%. But you need to want, like I need you to want that help. Mm-hmm. You can't expect me to always be there for you if you're not going to be there for yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then that's where I'm really cutthroat. So I'm like, you know what? You're not going to help yourself. Then you can't rely on me to help you. Yeah. 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 Fuck yeah, man. man that's wild. Thanks so much for sharing. Brother. Yeah. I appreciate that a lot. And you know, even what you just said is then something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And since I've started diving into my own self-limiting beliefs in particular, yeah. one of the big ones was around giving. I'm very similar to you. Like my whole life, I've always just wanted to just give as much as possible and yeah. and, and give, give, give. And I, I find it difficult to receive. Yeah, I find it yeah, really yeah. difficult and uncomfortable to yeah. receive, even if it's like, you and I go out for coffee and you're like, yeah. I'll pay. I, that that causes yeah. like um, resistance for me for some reason. And I think I, I've, I've kind of unpacked it a lot and, and that's probably like something for another day. But like what I've really learned and, and my mentor um, said this to me, they were like, well, you want to be able to, to give to other people all the time, right? And if you were to, if I was to say to you like, oh man, uh, thanks for coming in. I've, I've uh, bought you the, this gift or because you came in, I want to do this for you. Mm. And you're just like, nah, like that'd make me feel like shit. Cause yeah. I'm like, I, I wanted, I had that good feeling of giving you something and you didn't allow me to, to do it. You didn't receive it. Yeah. And so then I started to really put that in perspective. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm blocking other people from in having this really good feeling of giving Yeah. because I'm not willing to receive it. Yeah. If that makes sense. But at the same time, it's like, how can I, be putting out this energy of wanting to give, but then when it's my turn to receive, I, I'm blocking it. So yeah. it's like, again, it's just a mirror. It's just that, 
it's a match it's a mirror it's like yeah, yeah. you have to really understand that like everything in life is a mirror as you said yeah. before you attract the people yeah that are it's the mirror of the energy yeah, yeah, or yeah, the yeah. actions that you're putting out yeah um and yeah it's just crazy crazy to like put it into that perspective and yeah. start to kind of sift through that a little bit yeah dude that that's crazy because yeah? you think like i'm exactly the same like my wife tells me now when she does something really nice for me, she's like, fuck, you can't go buy me something now. Yeah. Like I did it because I wanted to surprise yeah. you because you do so many things, like, like so many nice things to me. I'm like, but I want to give back. Yeah. You know I'm mean? exactly the same. You know I mean? Like don't like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you next one. You wait till your birthday. You wait till your birthday. Yeah. I'll spoil you. You wait. Um, but like one thing about that too was i got a good friend, Kim, um, who's a psychologist. She was one of my early clients too. He became one of my closest friends. And I used to talk to him, I'm like, Kim, I'm so tired. Like, I want to help as many people as I can. But then I get to a point where I'm so tired that then I just become over it. And yeah. I shut everyone out. Yeah. And the thing she goes to me, she's like, Fook, you're like a village. This is your boom gate. I remember it. I was in a car. She was telling me this. She's like, this is your village. This is your boom gate. You go, open boom gate, let everyone come in. And then they ransack your village. And then you had enough of that ransacking and then you're like, you know what, fuck everyone, cut them <laughs> off. And then you, you wait, you wait, and then you're like, open up again and then you can let them come back to <laughs> yeah. you. She goes, you need to learn to ch pick and choose mm -hmm. when to open that boom gate. I love that analogy. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, fuck, I'm ransacked this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And that's why like people sometimes look at me and be like, man, sometimes you're mean. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not mean. Like, to protect just your energy. Yeah. Like – I'm not, I'm for so long, I haven't been selfish about myself and my happiness. And then I used to always play it down like, you know, I can take on everything and be fine. But you know what? Like, if you're really down and really upset and I can't help you and you're still trying to bring that onto me, I need to cut you off mm. because I can't be my best self to my loved ones and go home to my wife being upset because I've taken on all your shit yeah. because you weren't willing to deal with your shit yourself yeah i think yeah it's you said it perfectly before it's like there there has to be that responsibility yeah. right it's like i can't be as you said i can't be giving you all of my time energy and, yeah. and all the tools necessary it's disrespectful for you to then not go and fucking put implement yeah. these and put these shit to work yeah and you know and and so many people like that in many different areas right yeah like the the saying of like information's uses without implementation yes it's yeah. like, uh, and I really play into that with even with business, yeah. right? So that's why I've always given out so much. I've tried to give out as much value as possible. Everything I know. It's not like I'm holding back any yeah. tips on training, nutrition, all that yeah, stuff. Because yeah. I'm like, I know I can put everything on the table yeah. and 90% of you fuckers won't do anything yeah. with it. So I was like, if I give you that value and build that trust, then, then you're going to come to me for the implementation. That's just how it is. Yeah. It's like we, you know, you, you pay for, to do these courses or to do this coaching and stuff. It's because people do that because they need the connection and they need the handheld to actually yeah. go through it it's like you'd find the same shit online just go into google and do it yeah. but you're not gonna you don't have the the discipline or the will to sit there and yeah. work through that properly yeah yeah before we wrap up man i'm keen to to hear from you to understand like what when, it, when it's all said and done not that it's anytime soon yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. but when it's all said and done like what do you want to be known for like what do you want people to remember you for and, and to say about you when it's all said and done I don't, I don't know if i did this in a course or a chat with someone where it was going down with like your values right 
So it's like when you pass, when you pass on, like like you said, what do you want to be remembered for? My biggest things that I go back to is that when I go, whenever that may be, if my family or my kids were able to walk down the street and be like, dude, you're Fick's son. He saved my life. Like he's absolutely changed who I am today. I'm like, I am who I am today because of him. That would be the biggest thing because I know what it feels like being young and then my brother's friends would be like, dude, you're such and such a younger brother. Man, i got so much honour and respect for that guy, man. He has paved the way for me. And I'm like, man, that's my brother. Yeah. What a freaking legend, man. <laughs> so imagine if I can give that to my next generation, you know, mm. that feeling of, you know, your old man was a freaking great guy. He touched and he, he changed a lot of lives. Like that's what I want to be remembered for. That's epic, brother. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Man, I appreciate you so much for coming in today and, and sharing all this with us. Um, I've absolutely loved the chat. And, yeah, appreciate uh, I'm it. looking forward to staying connected and, and uh, feeding off each other, mate. And I'm sure the audience has absolutely uh, taken a lot of value from the episode today. So for those of you that are listening or watching at the moment, um, if you have taken some value, we'd love for you to share this uh, on your social media. Grab a screenshot, share it on your story. Tag myself, tag Fook. We'll have the links to all your socials and the business yep. stuff in the show notes as well. Um, but I appreciate you for your time, man. Very grateful. And um, thanks so much for coming in. Brilliant, man. It was awesome. Awesome, guys. We'll chat to you next week on the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, if you haven't hit subscribe already, please do. And we look forward to chatting to you again very soon. Yeah.